Welcome to the Matrix Breakers podcast. This is episode three, The Spiritual Matrix. Before diving right into all of the information I have for you guys, I first want to read a statement that I made in order to clarify my position in all of this. So without further ado, here we go. The spiritual matrix is the binding force that limits your connection with the spiritual aspects of life. The purpose of the spiritual matrix is to make certain that you never fully achieve a spiritual existence. Your spirituality is fundamental to living free from the matrix. In many ways, it's the most fundamental thing you can manage to break the matrix entirely. It's important to understand that we are under spiritual attack. Those who find themselves not very spiritual to begin with are probably more relatable to myself. For most of my life, I just went through the motion spiritually, never really taking the time to seek out a spiritual existence or even answer the most vital spiritual questions for that matter. For me, early on, I didn't really see the point of seeking out a spiritual life since I saw so many disagreements over the topic. I figured if I stay away from it completely, then I won't get caught up in the drama of having to debate something that wasn't really that verifiable. However, I did enjoy church growing up and even listening to other spiritual teachers share their wisdom. I just never knew what I believed. And as I understand for many topics, if you never search for the truth, you'll never find it. Being raised in a Methodist Christian home, I got to enjoy the pleasures of hearing biblical stories to establish principles for living a meaningful life. I can't say I had a very personal relationship with God, but I was surely getting the wisdom of the pastors that were guiding my life decisions based on the Christian ethos. Through my high school years, I underwent a time of doubting the establishment of religion itself. I thought it was fundamentally flawed because the institutions were found to be corrupt in many ways, and from my 15-year-old perspective, were teaching from books that were improvable in their exhausted claims. This time of churning doubt led me to turn to any answers to the spiritual questions I had. The burning curiosity eventually took me into the hands of what many millennials are embracing at a massive rate, New Ageism. Through the books and research I read about chakras, crystals, mediums, tarot cards, psychedelics, ascension, astral projection, Christ consciousness, dream interpretation, hypnosis, past life regressions, alien abduction, a new history of the world coming from alien technology, etc. I felt as if I found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of spiritual knowledge. All of this information gave me the power and frankly, the arrogance. I wanted to expose the religious institutions as just merely an old, dying, corrupt way of controlling the masses. Well, that's not how I ended up. Although it took me years to discover for myself the truth of living a spiritual life, 
Up until the age of 23, I was advocating for all of my friends and relatives to take up a true spiritual life by adopting all of my new age beliefs. Today, I'm still on a journey of spiritual discovery. But I know based on what I've experienced in my other spiritual practices that there is much more than meets the eye when pursuing a spiritual life. What I know for sure is that the matrix of spiritual control does in fact exist. And their existence is enough proof for me that we are in fact spiritual beings and that there is definitely more to the afterlife than an infinite nothingness. Let us begin diving into just a few key ways the matrix binds your spiritual life. There really are two components to this spiritual matrix. The first component is the spiritual warfare, which is the societal norms and culture and institutions that promote the evil in the world to inhibit us from having a spiritual life. The second component is our own personal spiritual matrix, whereas we ourselves make decisions or the lack thereof to not pursue a spiritual life. Now, when going into the spiritual warfare component, we have to ask ourselves, where do I get my spiritual counsel from and is it completely reliable? Because what we're seeing now more than ever is the goodness of the world is being turned around and demonized as evil, whereas the evil in the world is turned around and often portrayed as good. It's a very confusing and paradoxical time, but that it brings uh, clearly how there is a matrix involved in our spiritual faith. Now, um, the major aspect of the spiritual matrix is acknowledging the spiritual war that is raging right now and has been in existence for as long as history has been recorded. Now, from what I understand, there really is a duality at play in the spiritual world, and there is good and evil, but there mostly is people who identify themselves on the fence in this gray area because people are afraid of doing the right thing, the good thing that is backed by 100% truth and facts and logic because they're afraid of being demonized, like I said, as being the wrong thing or the evildoers of the world by our mainstream media and by our societal norms like culture and entertainment uh, and even our government. Okay. Now, the flip side of that is people don't consciously want to do bad things or evil things either. So the idea that there are people who steal, you know, they kill, uh, they do incredibly horrible and hateful things uh, that portray evil, that are evil in, in its essence, right? And so really, it's a narrative. And we've been living in this narrative forever since we've existed. And with my own studies of of, um, of history, it has been amazing to me to see more and more of this play out where men, true men and women stand up for what's good and right and just backed by facts and logic and the, the idea of what is right, what is truly right, happen to be 
totally demonized in so many historical periods of time. And then people who are doing things that are actively evil take um, even as an example like Hitler, uh, and then it's actively promoted into society as the right thing to do, uh, which was essentially uh, putting the Jews in ghettos and then therefore executing them years later after that. So uh, that's just one example of, of what I'm saying here, right? Uh, there are specific ways that evil has spread throughout history, and it doesn't end at the foot of dictators like Hitler, I was just saying. Uh, it exists in the hearts of men. Uh, and this is more of a Christian ethos, a Christian look at things, uh, but evil corrupts good. And the concept of corrupting good is simple to understand if you can get the idea of how to influence human psychology. It's something that I usually refer to here uh, when dealing with influence. The best way to get somebody to do something is to have them believe it is in their best interest to do so. So I genuinely believe that there are people out there that really feel like they're doing the right thing. They'll take a certain action, they'll do a certain, you know, protest or they will do something in uh, whatever game they're playing that they really believe is the right thing. Uh, and that works as a deceptive way of them actually doing the very wrong thing. Okay, and that's important why we have to get into the truth and what's actually real. And so I talk about in terms of how to influence people like that. Now, naturally, people don't consciously commit evil acts. There are people who do, but usually they occur because someone believes they are doing the right thing. What happens is people create justifications for doing acts of evil. And that alone is how evil continues to exist. Now, you look at Nazi Germany and how you can get uh, a place that was relatively modern and normal to get people to demonize another sect of people, being the Jews in that scenario, having them not only in uh, concentration camps like work camps, but then eventually even being exterminated in mass, right? And so how do you get there? How do people actually uh, be okay with that? Uh, and that is by creating a culture, a, a matrix, as if you can uh, put it that way, that convinced people that that was the right thing to do. And that's what is occurring here uh, today that we can see in our modern world with the way uh, some people are demonized or even divide and conquer strategies where they're using to uh, control the masses through that uh, paradigm. When in reality, most people want to do the right thing if they only knew the truth. And that's the kind of brings back the whole idea of why I'm even doing this podcast. Uh, now, goodness, on the other hand, is gifted to us through free will by God. And without evil contrasting good, there wouldn't be a sign of good existing. The existence of evil is only possible because there is also good. Adversity to God is what gives purpose to the spiritual wickedness in high places. We are gifted this option of doing good because it is furthering the kingdom of God. Now, again, coming from more of a Christian ethos there, the idea of adversity in the world creates goodness because if without evil, there is no good and without good, there is no evil. There is a contrast of things and 
we happen to live in a world where that exists. Now we could live in a world where there's, you know, 50 different options and they're all different weird realities and things like that. But we don't live in that world. We live in a duality, good, evil, black and white. Um, you know, that a, a reality where we can contrast decisions based on what is the right thing to do based on truth and then the wrong falsehood thing to do based on your idea of truth. This is so key because like I said, most people don't consciously commit those evil acts. They really believe they're doing the right thing. And so uh, now there's the flip side of that, whereas people who are doing the right thing, who are following truth, the truth, not their truth, but the truth, and therefore spreading that and acting uh, ju um, justly in that way, right? And, and I'm going to get into that here more in a moment. But the idea here is this is all very spiritual because we make those spiritual decisions to do certain things. And if the matrix controls that spiritual aspect of ourselves and we made decisions that were not in our best interest, then that is where we have to gain control. We have to gain control of that a paradigm of our lives so that we can therefore shift it to a better alternative, right? And that's why I'm doing this podcast, right? So we have to identify the players in the spiritual warfare, okay? Now, it would take me probably hours to go over many different people, cults, things, um, organizations, religious institutions that all play a role in this spiritual warfare. Everyone's trying to tug everybody in one direction or another. And what I wanted to go through here was break down some of the uh, maybe three of the core groups that make up today's spiritual institutions uh, and spiritual ideology or philosophy. Now, the first one would be considered what they call themselves, uh, but as elitists, people who are in the most high power structures in the world, um, these people would call themselves transhumanists, okay, or even technocrats, right? Um, and this is arguably, you know, um, up in the air when I say this, but some of the most powerful people in the world are the heads of technological companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They are considered the most powerful elite in the world. Why? Because they control the thought of human beings. And not only that, but in America, they, they give the impression of free will and free thought by promoting what they believe is the right philosophy. Okay, and I'm going to get into that here in a little bit, but they believe that uh, as transhumanists and technocrats, they understand that they will merge with machines or technology so much, almost like a cyborg. This sounds insane, but a cyborg where it's like you're you're part human, part robot, um, where you then are perfected. You are your humanity is perfected and therefore making perfect calculated decisions that is going to take humanity in the right 
perfect direction that it's meant to go. So it's like playing God essentially and saying, we are God and we're going to adopt this technology and it is going to tell us what to do uh, and and how to do it. And so these are transhumanists and in, a, in many different ways, referring to what Elon Musk was talking about in the Joe Rogan podcast. If you don't know who those characters are, you can do your research and maybe even take a YouTube gander at those guys. But Elon Musk was referring to our iPhones or smartphones in general being a device that is already considering human beings with them like cyborgs because we are essentially uh, infinitely smarter with an iPhone uh, versus somebody who doesn't have uh, an iPhone or a smartphone, right? Because we have the access of the internet right here in our hand. So in essence, we are already becoming one with technology. We are human and technology at the same time. And so again, kind of really diving into this idea is, is an interesting way of looking at life because some of you probably think like, well, yeah, technology is the future. You know, we need to merge with technology. We need to become technology. We need to use technology to create a more perfect world. Uh, and I would say that was, it's a very uh, thin line where you're walking there because technology can also take over yourself. Like, I don't know if you guys ever felt addicted to your phone uh, or felt like you really needed to be on your phone or you're hooked on certain applications like, you know, Instagram and Facebook, which admit that they use certain flicker rates and things of that nature to keep your level of attention. And not only that, we went from 12 second attention spans about five years ago to now we are about eight second attention spans today, guys. So you know, this is very real, and this is what technocrats have been wanting for a very long time. Now, again, these are elites in many ways. There's also elites that control resources in the world, like oil. Um, that's more in the in the Middle East, and we have all kinds of elites that believe in certain things. But I can tell you that they agree on certain political philosophies. Um, they want a more communist, socialist state because, of course, with those ideologies comes complete centralized power. Uh, and again, not to get with uh, too political, but the idea of having one centralized people in power because we're going to just go ahead and faithfully believe that they're going to do 100% of the right thing using technology and calculations, uh, then uh, that I think we are pretty much insane. Uh, and let me read to you a quote from a uh, an article Okay, and it's it's called transhumanism and the idea of uh, depopulation, right? So this is like a club, an organization that believes in this. Now, without further ado, with the important information entered into com into computers, armed with algorithms, models uh, can be obtained. These models will take into account vital resources such as water, breathable air, earth minerals, fuel food crops, transportation, housing, education, medical care, and so on. Now, to a socialist who might be listening to this, you would say, well, what a wonderful thing. We can calculate how much earthly resources we have left, how much water is there, uh, and, and how much food can be rationed off in equal amounts for everybody. Um, well, I will tell you that that's not what these people want to do. What they're using is this information to really uh, predict 
the future and to create the future. And I'll quote this here. They will use these algorithms of prediction to identify the future in order to add stimuli prior to solidify their predictions. The only way this can be possible is by eliminating free will or free thinkers. And free will is the antithesis of global systematic control. So that's a lot saying there, okay? And I'm going to give you an example. So since today they're doing a Super Bowl and the LA Rams are facing off against the New England Patriots, okay? Uh, and it is uh, 2019 as I'm recording this podcast. Well, Imagine if you found out that Google employees were 94% fans of the LA Rams. And if you were to Google the best NFL team in the world, and the results were all about the LA Rams and how the LA Rams are the best, and and and, and here's all these articles of showing you how the LA Rams are better than every other team in the NFL because they're the best and they've got all this and that. Now you might be an LA Rams fan, okay? But imagine if you found that out and you and then clearly if anybody knows the NFL, those of you who don't, sorry, but I'm just trying to make an example here. Those of you who know the NFL, you know that the LA Rams are not the best NFL team of all time. That would be ridiculous to say. For a lot of different reasons. And you NFL fans know what I'm talking about. But that is what is actually happening with philosophy of these Google employees. They all agree on the very, very, very similar political economic philosophy for what they believe is best for the world. This is true also for the majority of technology companies. They all agree on similar philosophies. What if I told you that Google will game the algorithms where if you search something up, they will put up really propaganda of things that are there to make you believe something that isn't 100% true. Just like the example I gave you with the LA Rams, what if Google employees set up an algorithm for any time you look up NFL things, you always see the LA Rams as ranked as the best team in the NFL? You would think, well, I mean, this is clearly a lie. The LA Rams are not the best team in the NFL. You would have all these reasons to, to debate that. Well, you are a free thinker, and we can't do with those free thinkers. We have to make sure that we create such a huge lie that the LA Rams are the best NFL team in the world that we have to eliminate any free thinking and we can't allow on our on our Google platform, which owns essentially 90 plus percent of all search results, we can't allow all these free thinkers on there. We have to only put what we believe is true. We have to shape the world into what we believe by only promoting information that's going to shape the world in that direction. So again, this isn't very hard to understand, but this is actually what's going on. And this is what's happening in our spiritual life. So we look up something spiritually. Uh, this is true for many other things, but we're basically being taught by this technology, Facebook and Google uh, and, and Twitter, all social media platforms, anytime we're on the internet, which by the way, owns about 80 plus percent of the internet. So the usage of the internet 
If you're using the internet, you are more likely on Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or using an Apple device of some kind. Okay. So if they own 80% of the internet, they own 80% of thought. They are able to control what is being said, what is allowed to be on their platforms and the like. Okay, and by 2019, you you guys have already seen the idea of censorship and the elimination of free thinkers. You know, call them what they what what you want, but again, this is kind of a scary time when these technology giants can eliminate thoughts. They can eliminate people off of their platforms. And since they own the majority of the internet, they therefore own the majority of thought and the majority of philosophy that is believed by most people. Even if that philosophy is incorrect. Now, we can apply that to many different things, but in specific, on a spiritual level, this is very important. And that's why where you get your information is very, very important as well. Uh, now, moving on, the the second player uh, in this spiritual warfare, I would consider is the occults, okay? And I know this from a personal experience, right? This idea of new ageism, um, really any cult out there, but the occultism is really this whole thing about peace, love, the hippie uh, 1960s LSD tripping um, generation moving into uh, a more of a new ageism philosophy that is what they're doing is they're giving simple answers to the most complex spiritual questions. And I know this because I've had experience with it, like I mentioned in my uh, opening statement, right? They use the science of frequencies and the that kind of effect on the body and the blood and everything and the psychology of humans and the mindsets uh, and even hypnosis and different things. It goes on and on, uh, but they use the science to, to, to validate this idea of just you know, peace, love, and that's all, that's what it is. And, you know, the simplicity of, of what is really going on is really complex. And I don't really think that they're evil, honestly. I just believe that uh, some of these cult rituals and new ageism and philosophies are kind of just distracting because at the end of the rainbow of these beliefs, there really isn't things that are concrete principles. There's no principles in a um, belief system that just espouses that everyone is inherently good and that if if you just tell them how good they are and you prove to them that their goodness is good, then all will change. And that creates this idea of a utopianism uh, and socialism usually carries into that. Uh, now, that isn't really a reality. There's no concrete principles there that are established. And I think that's why it's just a distraction. It's better than being an atheist in my opinion, because at least you have some moral code, but you don't have the full-on principles that are established that create real true civilization and real uh, real true freedom of thought and truth, okay? And so the other player in this spiritual warfare is something I would consider is just the corrupted religious institutions. Now, Again, why is it that the matrix hates the church so much, okay? Despises the Bible. This is kind of what I got into was, you know, every time I heard from mainstream outlets and entertainment how horrible, you know, the Bible was and how outdated it was and all these things, it, I, although I believed those things, it made me question, you know, because one one or two things 
that was said by the matrix, uh, if we're going to put it that way, what has been a lie. So if I one or two things have been a lie and I've proven it to be true, then maybe they're lying about other biblical principles that maybe I should look into uh, or even other religious institutions that are espousing other principles that could be valuable to my life. And so maybe I shouldn't just believe in the matrix. Maybe I can look into different things, but the matrix, instead of just allowing uh, these churches or religious institutions to exist, they move into these institutions and corrupt them and create a falsification or falsehoods throughout these uh, institutions by rewriting, reinterpreting the Bible, reinterpreting other religious uh, texts and things of that nature to make them seem undoable, unachievable, uh, to make them seem erratic, uh, unlogical. And so what people are moving away from, they fall mostly into the hands of the occults, which again, are more of a distraction, or they just fall out of complete spiritual power altogether. And that's the key here. The matrix wants you to not have a spiritual life, okay? And so really, this concept of spiritual power is something that you should look into. Now, again, I would promote any aspect of spirituality, really. You should take on a spiritual practice, and we'll get to that here in a moment because that leads me right into um, – well – before I'll get into that, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll finish strong with this religious institutions aspect of it. And so I'm going to read to you guys a statement here by George Washington, a speech he did in New York in 1789. So this is when he was the president of the United States, the first president, because a lot of people believe that there was no Christian ethos or real Christian principles that helped establish uh, our free United States of America. And when I read you this speech, I think you might think differently. Now, the article is titled, George Washington, Thank God for the Civil and Religious Liberty Protected by Our Constitution. By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. So think about it like that. I'm, I'm going to continue reading, but what he's acknowledging there is he's making the day of Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving day we still celebrate every last Thursday of, of November. It was all dedicated to thanking God for his providence in establishing our country of the United States of America. So again, this is just kind of, it's a different uh, reality when people talk about how our founding fathers, you know, weren't Christian or anything like that. I mean, I don't hear that a lot from my, my sources of information, uh, but I, I guess the mainstream matrix wants you to believe that. Okay. Continuing to read. Now, therefore, 
I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the benef the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming of a nation. Again, referring to the American Revolutionary War, where there was divine providence in many different historical battles that got them to be their own nation in the future. Now, continuing. For the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence in the course and conclusion of the late war. For the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one, now lately instituted for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed." and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge and in general for all the great and various favors which he has been pleased to confer upon us. George Washington continues, And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness to us, and to bless them with good governments peace, and concord to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. <clears throat> Given under my hand at the city of New York, the third day of October, 1789. <clears throat> so, as you can see by reading that speech, you can all tell why he was the first president of the United States. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me. Looking at that, there was a lot that was said. Clearly, he's giving all the providence to God that they even have the United States. He is... Uh, acknowledging that all other countries should pursue good, truthful governments. He also said that we should follow a true religious and spiritual path. Uh, and so this is kind of what we're talking about today. It's amazing that George Washington, who lived, uh, and this is in 1789, can ring so true to the reality of today. I hope that uh, 
maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever read a George Washington speech. Um, but really, this is so idle in why we as Americans should follow that that ethos. Now, again, has it been corrupted? Have there been religious institutions of all kinds that have corrupted? Uh, the answer to that is absolutely yes. And I just uh, really inquire that all of you seek out a real spiritual power uh, by acknowledging that not only God exists, but that you can therefore have a personal relationship with the divine power. Now, um, going further into this uh, institutional um, religious corruption, there's a quote I'd like to read uh, from this other uh, article that I read, and it's basically saying that religion should be used, this is a quote, religion should be used as a way to manipulate people to achieve the aims of the leaders, but that the leaders themselves need not believe in religion. So the elitists I talk about in the beginning of the spiritual warfare is, or they do not believe in any religious or spiritual path. They have ideas for the future and where they think humanity should go, but they're not giving the um, the power, if you want to say that, um, to God, right? They're not giving it to a higher power, so they really believe that they know what's best. And that's what's interesting about atheists and socialists. You know, They don't believe in God, but yet they want to tell us how their philosophy is the way to move forward in this world. Now, um, this is another article that was talking about the decline of spiritual practices in the United States. So, uh, And it said this about that. Many like to focus on the political changes that are happening in this country. But the truth is that these cataclysmic shifts and our faith numbers are going to have far more to do with determining uh, the future course of this nation. So again, the cataclysmic shifts in our faith numbers. What he's referring to is that more and more people do not have a faith. They do not have a spiritual practice. And this is what the matrix wants. The matrix wants you to be an atheist. The matrix wants you to not have a spiritual power, to not believe in God, to not pursue a higher power of some kind, to therefore bring about a better just world. They want you to believe that what you're doing is right, and but in, uh, um, but in reality is actually wrong. This is so true about every single mainstream, whether it's media, entertainment, musicians, what if everybody believed that the LA Rams was the best NFL team? You would say, no, uh, sir, factually, uh, that is incorrect. Uh, this is reason why, uh, and I can explain that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but you, if you were a factual, logical person in this day and age, would be considered a conspiracy theorist. You would be thrown off a cliff. You would be demonized. Uh, and it would be just absolute ridiculousness coming from human beings that are so uh, um, susceptible to belief systems that do not actually have factual arguments, that do not have logical basis in what they're doing, right? It's easy to say things like, we want to have everything for everybody and all of these kinds of things. And it's not just political, but the idea of utopianism and socialism and communism is so dangerous in the spiritual aspects of life because we have to acknowledge that good and evil does exist. We cannot eradicate evil. You know, it's not going to go away. You know, we have to inherently take on the idea that evil exists and 
justly promote a goodness in the world, not try to perfect the world because that journey is dangerous. Now, you can disagree with me on that, uh, but you've listened this far and I truly appreciate that. And you guys can always, by the way, as a plug, you can dispute anything I say. And you can also reach out to me uh, and be nice to me, of course, uh, or even give me topic ideas or just say how much you like the podcast and um, how much you enjoy listening to these kinds of ideas, maybe even promoting the podcast, which I would love to hear your stories on that, your testimonials, if this has helped you in any way or you did do some research, anything that you've listened to here that has helped you in your life, I want to know about it. Now, the way you contact me is matrixbreakers at gmail.com. So it's just matrixbreakers at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me. You can reach out uh, and let me know what you think so far. Now, okay, moving on to the second component of the matrix, right? It's called the personal spiritual matrix, okay? This right here, I, I will just go ahead and read some of the things I wrote down, one statement, which is this. The lack of spiritual practices among all people is declining in the 21st century. People are valuing pleasure and leisure outside of their career life at a skyrocketing rate. What I mean by that is you're on your phone all the time and you're leaving work and you come home and you Netflix and you chill and people are up until two in the morning entertaining themselves on video games and, and just hanging out and drinking and, and doing you know ridiculous things. And again, I'm guilty of these similar things, but again, we are not promoting a spiritual practice whatsoever, right? And so these personal decisions of valuing pleasure and leisure over indulging in a spiritual practice are a personal binding matrix that is stopping you from real spiritual power. Don't let mindless entertainment take you away from disciplining yourself to a spiritual practice. The benefits of having a spiritual practice far outweigh the cost of ignoring that aspect of life. I would consider these pleasures a form of the matrix when not allocated properly into your life. What am I saying there? Well, what I'm saying there is that you are giving into the matrix by allowing entertainment to consume your time as opposed to setting aside time to be out and by yourself in nature or just sitting alone at, at, in the mornings or at night or praying or whatever it is you want to do, meditate. You have to have that spiritual practice because it gives you spiritual independent power, the ability to unplug and unwind and truly be within yourself. That is spiritual power. So I just acknowledge that all of you guys should participate in some sort of spiritual practice, right? Now, for those of you who um, are really just not even spiritual at all. Again, you line up more so with myself. I have since changed, but I'm just telling you from experience that I used to be that way. Okay. And really recently I have been getting up at six in the morning and I do not touch my phone in the morning at all. I go downstairs, I get a cup of coffee and I come back to my room and I sit in this chair that I have and I just pray. That's my way of spiritual practice. I pray and really I'm just grateful. I, I acknowledge all the things I'm grateful for, all the things that I have in my life, uh, the health that I have in my life, uh, the money I have in my life, the, the the roof over my head, the car that I drive. I mean, literally, guys, everything I'm so grateful for. And really, my deepest prayers are that God give me the motivation, the power 
to move forward into the world and help spread the truth uh, to everybody. You know, and so that's what I try to do. And that's kind of why I'm even doing this podcast. This is lining up with my morning prayers. It's exactly what I want to be doing. Now, that's just me personally, uh, but we can go into people who, again, um, don't have that uh, belief in God at all. Let me tell you what I think about that. Okay. So I'll read my statement Personal decisions, such as disregarding the idea of a divine power or the existence of God, can be self sabotaging. Knowledge alone is not the answer to achieving what you want. You are not acting alone in your efforts to achieve the life you desire. I'm talking to myself here. It's statistically a better decision to seek out divine power than it is to constantly deny its existence in terms of your feeling of purpose. Basically, you'll be a happier, healthier, and more ambitious person if you decided you were serving a higher power in the universe as opposed to allowing your skepticism of a spiritual existence hold you hostage to a life of meaninglessness. Now, for those of you who are follow, uh, falling into the atheist category, you would probably argue and say, well, my life has meaning and I dictate my meaning. We can have that debate and that's fine. But what I'm saying is that atheists or people that do not have a spiritual practice, do not have any spiritual connection whatsoever, are on average more depressed and more um, susceptible to feeling anxiety than a, somebody who believes in God, has faith, prays to God, is grateful for what they have, uh, and asks God to um, really uh, be there for them you know, and solve their problems. See, that's a better scenario to have a belief that there's some higher power that is navigating you through life that's there for you that you can turn to that is beyond anything that is earthly in this world. That is the power of having a spiritual existence. And so, uh, again, for those of you who are, are not just atheists, but just people who don't have a spiritual uh, practice at all, I really implore you to do that because it has for sure made me a happier, healthier, and more ambitious person. Now, uh, the third thing I had to say about this idea of the personal uh, matrix is having faith in God provides a divine moral code that allows you to consciously make decisions based on whether they are good or bad. Now, to continue, there is a divine ethos or code that every person understands consciously when they tap into their spiritual power and only when they tap into the spiritual power. This individual empowerment is what the people in the matrix um, fear the most. So I'll repeat that because I, I, I messed that up. But this individual empowerment is what the people in the matrix fear the most. If you can break through this aspect of the matrix by exploring your spiritual power, you will become an empowered human being. Now, as an empowered human being, you can excel in any endeavor you desire. That is the purpose of this podcast. It's to break you out of the matrix of thought, control, um, of spiritual control, of political, economical, financial control over your life. Break free from it. Know what is true. Follow that truth to the end and um, share that with the world. And that is something that I do every single day. And I'm not kidding. So um, 
and I don't mean to be this person that's, you know, holier than thou. I am definitely not that person. Uh, and I'm not somebody who has all the answers or pretends to have all the answers of everything that you could possibly imagine. That would be ridiculous. But I do have enough research and information and time on my hands to really know what's real, what's true, uh, and what's false, what's not real, what's fictional. And so by concluding this podcast, I just ask that you take into consideration your spiritual power and how the spiritual matrix is trying to give get, um, get you away from that spiritual power. I mean, again, I was somebody who didn't like church because it was corrupt and it was ridiculous and the things they believed was horrible and and all the stuff in the Bible is ridiculous and fake and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, that that then I turned into the new ageism and just kept swimming into a depth of, of water, of, of an ocean of, of information, but there was no principles. There was no moral code. There was nothing that gave me a way of living. And so I, I implore you to find that truth for you uh, and really finding the absolute truth and just keep diving into this topic. Now, again, in conclusion, I really appreciate all of you guys who are tuning in, who have taken the time to listen to this podcast. You guys are my true heroes. I look up to you and I ask that you just spread this information with many different people. I know that people would love to hear this information. And again, feel free to reach out to me, matrixbreakers at gmail, and let me know what you think, what you like, um, what you think I can improve on. Uh, but not only that, but what you really uh, love about this podcast. Okay. That's what I really want to know. Uh, and then also additional topics we can discuss as well. So without further ado, I'll catch you guys on the next episode of Matrix Breakers. Peace.